There you go. We got we got some fave music. And it's not any good sports show theme music, especially if you feature a cat as your mascot without the little growl sound effect in there somewhere to um, shout to my dude bringing, uh, finding that for us to find it there. Travis Holmes, a big cat country. Of course, I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game of the Jaguar Report of SI. Honor, joy, and privilege to bring in another edition of the Duval Dive. Now complete with theme music. And if you have any ideas uh, for uh, little video submissions, 20 seconds or so, that'd be great. And maybe drooling him will get inspired, or maybe I'll find something. Who knows? But that's what's <laughs> next. We're a growing show, Travis Home. Welcome in. Hey, man, I love it, man. We're becoming a big, you know, a, a, a big time production. What can I say? This is awesome. <laughs> Listen, anytime you can bring in 1999 theme music, it makes it full circle. <laughs> I'm just glad we don't do a dolphin show because I hate that song. I uh. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, man, it's listen. Uh, let's get into it. <clears throat> First of all, uh, you gotta you gotta take the good with the bad with last mm -hmm. week's uh, performance against against the Chiefs. Both of us were wildly incorrect in some ways, and both of us were spot the bleep on in others. Um, Travis, I did not see the under hitting so big in this game. I'll leave with that. I, I, you know, I, I let me put it this way to you. Obviously, the Jags lose to the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, seventeen to nine. What are you more surprised by, holding Patrick Levon Mahomes the second to seventeen, or nine points of offense from the Jaguars? I mean, you got to say the nine points to the offense um, and only because the Chiefs, while they historically have actually played better on the road, uh, I don't think anybody, anyone, any reasonable fan, you know, whether you're a fanatic of the, you know, for the Jags or whether you're just some, uh, you know, a national writer or whoever else. I don't think anyone thought that the Jaguars offense would come out that uh I, I come out being that problematic as far as the red zone, as far as the money downs, as far as all of those things. And that really just destroyed. Like we literally could have been, you know, in the low, let's say low thirties, the high twenties, uh, realistically in that game, just being better in the red zone. And that's, that stinks. That's a, that's a hard thing to chew on in a loss. You know, you mentioned all the writers and the personality, somebody else who agreed with you about the struggles in the red zones being basically unacceptable. Um, especially the 0 for 4 portion uh, on the one particular drive um, was one Trevor Lawrence. He, he, he thought that that was um, probably the most, I'll use the word frustrating on his behalf, I'll say, yeah. but a word I heard permeate um, throughout the post game from players and coach, Coach Peterson in particular alike, was pissed off. They were not happy coming in with such awful offense and, and rightly so, uh, you know, the, I, I, I mean, in fairness, a little bit of toe drag swag from Zane Jones um, away from scoring twice. Trevor missed a wide open. Uh, also, I think it was Zay Jones, um, yeah. Calvin Ridley beelining right for the goalpost. Everyone took a sigh of relief, you know, uh, yeah. when he got up. Okay. From that, that looked rough. Um, thank God they put pads on the pole, man. Holy crap. Um <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. just exchange all the way around. What do you think went wrong in the red zone for the offense there, Travis? 
Well, it was a mixture of a few things. I mean, you obviously have the the it's first thing. Yeah, you have the first and goal on the one yard line, and we now know, even though everyone was angry at Press Taylor for not calling that a run play, apparently he did call a run play on that, and Trevor called his own play a lot, like he did against the Titans in twenty twenty two. He pulled it stop right right there, real quick too. I don't okay. The th- something fans do that generally annoys me is they shout, oh, the play calling was bad. You do realize that if Zay Jones, toe drag swags, that's one touchdown over there, they get four points. You yep. do realize if they finish that drive, and the one in question where, uh, you mm-hmm. know, Trevor calls his old number in a play, that was just swallowed, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it, that's a second touchdown. You know, now, now all have, of a sudden, this is, we got free yeah. football. It's an overtime. And then game. you have the Ridley play with the overthrow that happened on the same drive. Also, that's literally three different drives mm-hmm. that we're talking touchdowns instead of field goals on two of them. Like but the punchline is the play calling had opportunities on the field that just weren't done. People hate execution being used regularly by players after games as if it's coach speak. Travis here, it's true. And and listen, yeah. I, I'm not necessarily a Press Taylor guy. I, I'm not anti or for really yet. You know, I'm I'm still kind of drinking him in, uh, as you will, and what he does is uh, uh, running the offense. But um, from where I'm sitting right now, I, I can't put this on him. I can't do it. E- execution was the thing here. No, I fully fully agree. Fully understand. Now you and you can't. He hasn't done. He hasn't shown any, you know, issues as far as uh, any significant opportunities that we can objectively say, hey, man, this is Press's fault. He should have done this versus that, that we haven't later found out. Nah, no, that right, that worked. That was right. Or nah, that was wide open or et cetera, et cetera. Like, and we've shown it again, the fourth down play with the fourth and five play. Uh, well, actually, I'm sorry. I'm saying this like everyone knows. There was a fourth and five play in the game around the 50 yard line and where, uh, many people before the half, I believe it was less than three minutes left before the halftime. And we went for it. Uh, Jaguars went for it and didn't get it. And many pe- people said, you should have kicked it. You should have given it back to Kansas city deep in their own territory and made them drive the whole length of the field. Fair, whatever you want to call it. Like, I don't know. I mean, this is a team that's consistently going for it on fourth downs and aggressive situations. I'm not going to blame them for that. However, right. However, the play call worked. The play call worked. Kirk was open coming out of his break. We've seen that stick route. Of, uh, no, I don't even know how many times, tens of times since he's been here. And that is a bread and butter play. And Trevor simply doesn't throw it because he, you know, out of his peripheral vision, sees Chris Jones. And I'm assuming that's what made him, you know, just not let it go as soon as his third foot hits the back of this, his drop back. And it's, it's really unfortunate. But again, the play call worked. The execution didn't. And I'll see that and raise you this, that very same exchange. Oh, you should have pulled it. Travis Holmes, if I knew your middle name, I'd have dropped it there. Travis <laughs> Holmes, I wrote about this on the Jaguar report this past week about this game and the missed opportunities that this game represented. It's funny. There were missed opportunities that made this game a missed opportunity to get a win in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Granted, at least last week. They got a division win. They still have plenty of of gain out of that, you know, and this is why this upcoming Sunday is a big deal. Also, an AFC South uh, win opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like the Lions where it's awesome you beat the defending champs, but then the next week you take a conference loss, okay? So there's that. Um, Right. 
with the Jags, they had the opportunity to get a conference win to, 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 in the case of a tie break later in the year, which could very well happen if things go as well as you or John Shipley of Jaguar Report or Peter King think with 13 wins, it could come down to that for yeah. who's the top seed. And now you just lost the tie break, right? Bingo. But say all that to say that fourth, fourth and five, I like the call personally. Um, you know, didn't go the right way. They had Patrick LeVon Mahomes II and company at second and 22. Hmm. They gave up 20 yards to set up fourth and two, which emboldened the Chiefs to score. That is execution. Okay. Yeah. You know. And that was one of the few, what I would call, I guess, disagreeable, uh, bad. I don't want to say, I don't want to say bad because that sucks. But it was one of the one of the few questionable, uh, schematically. Uh, one of the one of my personal, I, I I didn't like it. I that was one of the few coverages that I didn't like them playing soft because it was a you know a long. Uh, second and long and you just know this is a team that's going to go for it when you get down to those you know fourth and five fourth and fours things of that nature you can't give up 20 yards man that's just that hurt as soon as it happened i'm like there's no way they don't go for this on fourth down yeah, if it's and four seven that, that 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 touchdown doesn't happen yeah and that yeah that there's so there's so many what ifs man the two touchdowns in the game, Travis, back-to-back -back drives, right? One by Kansas City to close the half and the double up after the field goal by the Jags to start the offensive action for the Chiefs. Um, and I believe yeah. that one was to Travis Michael Kelsey. Four catches for 26 yards and a touchdown. Listen, we said four. We said six for 80-something and a touchdown was a win. The defense did a great job over, over, overall with that. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about two elements on defense for both teams um, that were definitely fun to watch. First of all, let's you and I take our, uh, our bows for trying to tell people Chris Jones was going to be a problem. And indeed he was. Listen, poor, poor Anton Harrison, right? What a tough pair of assignments at some point. You're dealing with DeForest Buckner and then Chris Jones. My goodness. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, but that's the worst part about it is, interestingly enough, he didn't have to deal as much with DeForest Buckner, uh, Buckner in the in week one because that was the interior of the offensive line who had to who had to <laughs> take on that monster, and it was a mess because you coming into the game there wasn't a standard as far as hey we know for sure that they're going to put chris jones over anton there was a, an equal thought process from the people that i talked to that no we don't know he's going to be all over the place he's going to be here he's going to be there he's going to be all so i'm assuming the coaching staff's thought process going into the game was we have a three in three uh interior linemen who are injured who just had a rough game against DeForest Buckner they're going to need help we're going to have the running backs chipping inside to help those you know hobbled guys out one who probably shouldn't have even been playing in, in Brandon Scherf if we we're going to keep it 100 and that's going into the game and then the hopes is just hey walk a little Anton they can they can take care of themselves you know maybe they might win some lose some but it should be all right overall and in fairness, Walker Little <laughs> did, in fact, come up big and took care of his side of the line for sure. 
Right. But that's my that's the thing that's killing me. There's nobody's talking about no one's speaking about that when they're saying, hey, you should have given Anton help. We should have given Anton help, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, hey, what about those three inside guys who we knew going into the game were going to need help because they were already hobbled? No one thought that they were just going to leave Chris Jones on Anton the whole game. And they did it. That's that's a hey, tip of the cap to the Chiefs. Right. Like, hey, come on. Hey, no one else said it, but that's why we do the Duval dive, Travis Holmes, so we can tell the people the stuff they ain't getting talked about, baby. That's why we're here. <laughs> right. So um, that's what I'm saying. So, like, hey, if it's, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Like, there is no right answer because if you do that and you give him, you give Anton help, then they're going to put Chris Jones on the tackles and you're going to have to figure that part out because your you, your chipping is not in reference to a person. Your chipping is to the position. It's I'm chipping to the outside. That's the play. That's the play dynamic. That's the way that the play is drawn up. It's not I'm chipping to a guy. That's generally not how they follow it. So that's that's just that's a rough one for the coaching staff. And that's the lesson learned, I guess. And let's please remember, right, the return of Chris Jones, we said was going to be a big deal. Something that I feel like a lot of people are forgetting in general, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl. Uh, that's the Super Bowl matchup, Super Bowl 57. The two teams, by the way, that led the NFL in sacks one and two respectively i mean the chiefs may good. be known for patrick levon mahomes the second but that defense pretty good yeah chris I jones mean, is pat mahomes of that defense i i mean i i i don't know that my, i don't know that he's the brains behind it he at the very least he's the travis michael kelsey of the defense perhaps. all right we can go with that we can go with that that's fine I mean, yeah he's he's the yeah he's the engine not necessarily the guy who's the brains who got that. I guess that's spags. There you go. Well, I, I, and I, I usually <laughs> give that to a DB, but I don't know that, that they have, they that. I don't think they have one. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like I think, I think their, um, their previous safety moved on. I forget his name is uh, anyways, whatever. But speaking of Travis, Michael Kelsey, mm-hmm. you brought to my attention, Rayshon Jenkins for all the talk about Andre Cisco in the game he had. And rightly so, um, you know, pulling in the, uh, the interception, um, that he did adjusting to a coverage where the <laughs> the defensive back got beak and, and just making a hell of a play. Um, I'm I'm more impressed by the line, um, or rather the lack thereof from Travis Michael Kelsey. You get, I get an email after the game. Oh, Travis Kelsey receptions. He's about he's 18 receptions away from Jerry Rice, which to be honest is pretty damn amazing. Let's yeah, be that's honest. Pretty awesome. Yeah, but um. Hyping up a 26-yard performance for Travis Michael Kelsey. It's fun seeing emails like that come from the league. But um, we keep mentioning it. Let's go ahead and jump to the video here. Rayshon Jenkins. Now, you'll probably remember him, Jags fans, as the dude that knocked, um, that was the key to the turnover with the Cowboys last year and also involved in the play with the Titans in the final week to uh, secure the AFC uh, championship over the Titans here. But, you know, let's go to the video here. This is just one play in particular where Travis Michael Kelsey throughout the day was on lock, except for one key play where he got the touchdown, obviously here. And, Mm -hmm. you know, watching what's going on here, Travis, just to see that coverage, any part of the field that Travis Michael Kelsey went to, somebody was there waiting for him, it felt like, right? He he, he breaks out, and then right. um, Jenkins comes down. It's – I don't want to – and this is actually a better angle, the reverse angle. In this particular one, Jenkins just met him um, in that particular exchange, but I feel like wherever Travis Michael Kelsey went, 
he had somebody there waiting for him. And it was key to keeping the Chiefs under 20 points. I don't, I don't think I'm uh, uh, making any new ground with that statement. No, I mean, the only times that the Chiefs had even, you know, a modicum of success with Kelsey was when the Jaguars were in zone defense and it was a more of a scramble drill situation, i.e. the touchdown um, when he kind of scrambled and was over, uh, I believe it was Walker in coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and later in the game, he had another catch when it was Devin Lloyd in coverage, who actually I thought had a good game on his own. I mean, again, we're talking about a guy who had, you know, 40 some odd yards overall right so this is not this huge game we're really down to one and two catches here and 26, there six travis 26. oh it's 26 i'm i'm sorry i'm this is me going by memory all right <laughs> even better four from the four catches homie that's ah that's, that's what it is yeah so like because lloyd even almost had an interception early in the game you had oh, cisco God. with an an, an, an almost interception that. on the sideline also like you had those guys were getting their hands on the ball and they easily could have walked away to three with three to four interceptions in this game like i you know me i'm a db i am a fan of any great defensive play or you know in the secondary as far as coverage or even the linebackers but yeah that was the only time the chiefs had any successes when there was more of a zone situation and they essentially ran away from the jaguar safeties so try to get you know isolated on the defensive ends slash outside linebackers yeah and overall i don't feel like it was a a bad game up front for the crew either i mean listen you and i had a conversation but i i I mentioned uh two weeks ago on the student of the game podcast with um (laughs) wild car mar of iow sports uh that Jawan Taylor and familiarity would be an issue. Also, there was a tweet issued, I think, by Adam Schefter and something statement by the league that they will be cracking down on the tricks of the trade that Jawan Taylor was trying to execute. Uh, Ten penalties on the day, at least two of them that I can think of that were good for first downs um, overall. Um, not, not for first downs, but for long thirds where the Jags would get the ball off it is what I'll say. Um I, I, I feel like Juwan Taylor had a rough day, but I don't feel like he gave up a lot of pressures per se. Maybe I, I don't know. He had a tough day with ten penalties. I don't care who you are. Well, well, you, when you say ten penalties, no, Juwan had four penalties. Uh, yeah, yeah, Juwan. Yeah, yeah. It, the, I think the team. The, had the team had ten. Uh, you had the ten overall. Uh, but the fun thing about this is, Juwan was benched specifically because of the. Pen- penalties that he kept getting and especially in the crucial times that he kept getting them it was you know <laughs> second second down third down scenarios in which in Kansas City just wasn't having it but if you're talking about like to your point pressures and sacks and things of that nature giving up he led the league this week in uh pass rush win rate for an offensive tackles in the league he, he was a 98 percent he had a 98 percent win rate this week of uh, Jawan Taylor but it doesn't feel that way because one, he got benched for a series, and two, he gave up four penalties. Yeah, penalties. Two of them, 15, yeah, yeah, two of them were fifteen-yard penalties. Right, that that or oh, ten-yard holdings, whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, that that's a rough game for any offensive line when you've given up whatever it is, uh, you know, forty yards and penalties overall in a game and in dire situations. Um, and for but all additionally, the trash, all the trash we talk about, Chris Jones. Uh, making an impact. Listen, Patrick LeVon Mahomes II wasn't comfortable. Dude early in the game was so uncomfortable, he threw the ball to a damn tackle. Like, (laughs) you don't see that every day. 
Well, and that's the weirdest part about it is because everyone kept saying that in week one, the Jaguars defensive line was doing a lot of quote unquote mush rush where, you know, you're not actually trying to make it home. You're instead you're just you're trying to keep the keep Richardson in the pocket, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I actually didn't. And I actually didn't believe that they were purposefully doing that in week one. When I looked at the film, I just thought they just weren't getting home. Against Mahomes, they were purposefully doing it. And you can see multiple plays in which they could have easily beat the tackle to the outside. And instead, they just stopped and stood it up just not to run past him. Like, you could see it on the film multiple downs. Mm -hmm. I say that because the Jaguars also had the worst. They tied for the worst with the Saints uh, pass rush win rate for a defensive line unit in the NFL this past week. But it was purposeful. And that's the reason that, you know, you, the stats don't always tell the story because you can see, hey, you're playing against someone like Mahomes. Awesome. I, I let, Let's, you know, maybe this is the week that we actually don't try to get home because we don't want to give him a run lane to, you know, get out of that pocket and pick up a first down. With Which he did dope. a few times, by the way. And, and he still did. But yeah, it's Mahomes, man. The oh, dude's yeah. a freaking magician. <laughs> So, there are just some plays that's going to happen. But I'm really interested in seeing what it's going to be like this week because now we're finally, for the first time this season, in my personal opinion, playing against a team where they actually get the ball out on time pretty religiously. So you're not playing against some of Holmes who, you know, he, he's, he gets the ball out early, but you're not playing against a rookie who holds the ball forever. You're not getting either end of the spectrum at this point. You're getting... Hey, a rookie who's going to hit his three-step drop, he's going to go through his, progress, his progressions quickly, and he's going to get the ball out. How will your defensive front look now that you're playing a basic, average, run-of-the-mill offense who just is on time, on Ladies schedule? And gentlemen, this is what we call a segue. You see what this professional here, Travis Holmes, did? He said, we're done talking about the Chiefs, Mr. Host, man. Let's talk about the Texans <laughs> coming to town. And I don't blame you because, here, listen. I don't think, first of all, whatever happens in this Houston Texans game here in Duval, you can't, we're going to throw the tape away when it comes to the next Texans game. They are mm -hmm. missing so many pieces. Uh, it, it, you know, I think the big one that jumps off the page is Stingley um, yeah. as part of a, a defensive unit in the secondary. It's pretty strong. And oh, by the way, this Will Anderson kid, pretty good. The CJ Stroud kid has been trending pretty nice. I, I don't think he's going to get rookie of the year, but I think he is showing signs of a dude that can build into being a pretty reliable passer in the football, in the NFL, in, in uh, with the football is what I should say. Yeah. Uh, just a lot of good stuff going on there. By the way, in light of that, Shaquille Griffin likely reuniting with his former team, facing them in the corner spot. A whole lot of stuff. Travis is doing a dance. What, what, Reunited what? and it feels so good. Yeah, I bet Jaguar fans have never been so excited to see Shaq Griffin's name. Oh, yeah, this is the week for it because you're playing against a team that historically runs that same Seattle cover three, which means and we saw how he, he struggled against that. Uh, sorry, how Shaq last time we saw him struggle running that coverage. Oh, I'm ecstatic to see what this is going to look like. Um, you have a Calvin Ridley versus a Shaq Griffin uh, opportunity on multiple times throughout this game. Yeah. Oh, this should be great. And moreover, you have a defensive pass rush for the Jags. It's facing a pretty beat up offensive line from the Texans themselves. Uh, that's, well, I mean, that's this, is, yeah, this is that bounce back opportunity. This is the game that you, you want to see. Uh, but again, I, I, to your point, was really well. I'm really impressed by C.J. Stroud. I watched every single snap that he's 
played in his first two games. And the, kind of what I was saying earlier, the dude, he gets through his progressions. He's accurate. He doesn't take unnecessary sacks normally unless you're like later in the game when it's just kind of like, hey, YOLO time. I got to take the team on my back, figure it out. And then he starts doing some wonky stuff when you start getting into those blowout situations. But if the Jaguars cannot let Houston keep this game close because he is a guy who, again, stays on schedule. He will move the ball and he will allow them those fighting opportunities, especially with that Texans defense. Uh, so we, we got to find a way to get home, hopefully quickly. Um, and that goes back to our original conversation earlier as far as that. I, I want to see them beat an alignment quickly because this is a team who hits the, they hit their progressions pretty you know on time, on schedule. Uh, so it should be interesting. I would also expect that the coverage kind of eats breakfast instead of supper here, right? Meaning they get into the bottom in the early part of the route and the play development um, rather than later in the progression uh, in that well, particular piece. Mike Caldwell, this is a fun one because he's historically a guy who's going to just sit back in the first half of most games. And we've seen it often, so often, especially if you're going back into last year. Well, we will sit back early in the game, kind of figure out what the te other teams are going to do, and then in the second half, that's when we're going to start blitzing. That's when we're going to start playing a lot tighter. That's when we're well, going to start. I'm not asking for blitzing necessarily. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, 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 and in fairness, when you're facing a Patrick LeVon Mahomes the second, I could see that strategy, but Travis, mm -hmm. they were pretty aggressive, or at least they were winning enough up front to seem aggressive. Again, that first drive, Patrick LeVon Mahomes mm. second is throwing to his tackle. So either the defensive front did that That's well, fair. or they're calling for more aggressive stuff from Caldwell. I don't think either is a losing proposition. And by the way, listen, I'm no defensive guru. I never coached defense like you did. But in my opinion, attacking a rookie quarterback is not a bad plan if you have guys that can get there as oh, yeah. both Josh Allen and to his credit for all the criticism that he took from people on this panel that aren't me, uh, <laughs> they're attacking up front pretty well with both Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen. Yeah, that's fair, man. That that's that's fair. Yours for him. I'm gonna get mine for Tank Bigsby. It's okay. <laughs> that's also true. Yes, but no. I mean, when you're going up against a wide receiver core, that's not. I don't want because they're NFLs. They're NFL talent. Yes, but they are obviously not. You know, a top NFL wide receiver crew. I won't even. I probably wouldn't say this is even an average one. Okay. Right, like you got Tank, Tank, Tank Dale, uh, Nico Collins, Robert Woods, Dalton Schultz at tight end. You you don't have very many guys who are going to run by you. You so don't have this a number is, one receiver. Clearly, they certainly well, yeah. don't have Calvin Ridley. They don't even have a Christian Kirk. I would argue. I probably yeah <laughs> yeah, but they don't have yeah yeah. yeah. So there's a lot, of, but there are a lot of good possession receivers. And again, that's why they're really good about being on time. That intermittent time, to, uh, that in, intermittent range. Uh, where that 15, 10, 15 yard range, they're good at sitting it down in that zone and trying to get those, you know, stop routes, curl routes, digs, etc. cetera. Uh, but what they aren't good at, they're not going to run by you. So this is a game where, you know, you have a Campbell, you have a Trey Herndon, et cetera. I hope that they're not giving these guys much respect and that they're in their back pocket and maybe they may make this rookie make a mistake here and there. I mean, that's the hopeful part. Stopping the run, obviously going to be a big deal with the Texans too. I feel like, that's how mm -hmm. they got most of their success, success last year when they ruined Tony Baselli's halftime ceremony, getting <laughs> getting mm -hmm. inducted into the Ring of Honor. 
Um, you well, know, that, but that's a, that's that's my concern this week. Again, if, do you allow Texans to make this thing turn? If they want this this game to be a a punch in the mouth, uh, back and forth scenario, like they want it to be a close game, do not allow them to have this still being a close game going into the second half. Uh, or there will be some concern rightfully in Duval. Like we we had to get those money downs right, those red zone scenarios, those third down scenarios, uh, because we just haven't seen an we haven't seen our offense perform in those uh, situations up to the standard that we set or the standard that they set for themselves. So, and, and, and let's, let's wrap it up on this. Obviously a win is a win either way. Um, but a win that you walk away from happy other than turnovers, um, what is the stat you expect to see on offense and, and defense? For example, um, if the Jags secure 300 yards, whichever Lawrence, they're going to have won this game in a way that I'm very impressed with with the offense defensively. Um, if they hold the Texans to 80 yards or less rushing, I feel mm. good about that up front. What are stats uh, for offense and defense that you'd like to see in the Jaguar win here that'll make you feel good? Oh, so the defense I'm I'm feeling good about no matter what, um, and but that pass rush is a big thing for me because again that that was going into this week that was literally my thought process i even said it on tuesday uh to a few other big cat country writers uh that yeah i'm curious on what our pass rush is really going to look like because it was my it was my issue coming into the season it's my issue going out of the season and i'm not talking about sacks i'm talking about legitimate pressures uh you know pressures deserved <laughs> pressures so i'm talking i'm talking prob realistically Five per each defensive end. So I'm talking Trayvon Walker. I'm talking Josh Allen. So I'm talking 10 pressures combined between the two of those guys. So 10 slash pressures is a stat that you walk away with happy. That's something that I'm very interested in seeing because, again, I'm not someone who's just gauging the film. I'm watching these games multiple times. I'm looking at only this guy. I want to see what you did today. And that's going to let me know how I can extrapolate this throughout the rest of the season. How can you perform against these top-tier teams? Um, As far as offense is concerned, yeah, I mean, they got to put it together. So I'm going to mainly look at those third down scenarios. Are we more than 50% in third down situations? Are we more than 50% in our red zone situations to score? Not field goals, touchdowns. Are And if we're doing that, we're going to score 30, 30 plus points in this game. So that's my expectation. And that's my hope for this offense to be successful this week. You know, for my money, it's less third down than it is the red zone, right? Because this, this, this offense, the way it's built and as high powered as it can be when it's rolling is to not even need third down to get first downs in a lot of cases, right? You find those chunk plays to Ridley, Kirk, Jones, Ingram, or get some nice running action from Etienne and company in the backfield there. Um, Certainly not have Jamal Agnew-style disasters. I shouldn't put that on Agnew, by the way, but, like, yeah, that that whole fumble handed right back to the damn Chiefs thing was crazy, Um, even though they got the pick shortly after that to kind of balance the whole kerfuffle out. Good excuse to use the word kerfluffle there, by the way. Yeah, but, yeah that's a good, that's a good uh, use. <laughs> I, I feel like the red zone is, is the big stat there. You cannot go 0 for 4 and then walk away from 3. You cannot go for 0 for 7 and then walk away with 6. You know, that, yeah. that kind of well, But it's funny because going into the game, everyone said that red zone was our strength because we were just 3 for 3 against Indianapolis in oh, the red zone. I, you didn't hear us say that for the record. Right, but everyone else, that was the strength of the offense. And now we're like, oh, we got to be better in the red zone. And I'm like, yeah, we got to be better at third down too. 
because for me, they go hand in hand. It's every once in a while you're going to struggle in the red zone. But if you're doing well in your third down scenarios, eventually you're going to hit one of those chunk plays where, the, where it, may, it may balance out. Or at other games, you're going to struggle in those third down scenarios, but you're still going to do well in the red zone. And it's still going to ba- either one of those situations, you're probably going to score, you know, 27 to 30 points in most games. And, and listen, I'm with you. If the th- number of third downs they actually face reaches double digits, that's when I think your third down stat kicks in. And I think, yeah, yeah making at least five of them is something you'd want to see um, from this offense that'll make you feel better about where it's going. Travis Holmes, that'll wrap up another edition of the new ball dive. Let's go ahead and, and dry off here from all the awesome. Tell the world where you can be found, brother. Hey, man, I can be found on all the socials. Uh, Travis D. Holmes, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, threads, etc. cetera, uh, pretty much everything but TikTok. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want them to get in my information just yet. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to get on it just yet, but give me give me time. Um, you can find me on my writings on BitCatCountry.com. Uh, we will have the staff's picks for this week as far as uh, things to look out for and also our predictions for the game. And um, you can, well, yeah, find me here every friday morning uh talking about the last week's game and also previewing this upcoming one that we have coming up and you can also find me on uh every tuesday on inside the piss game for the south florida tribune uh by the way i don't think i got an actual score from you buddy oh you didn't <laughs> um i'm going with uh the jaguars 27 houston 13 oh okay I- i'm in a similar ilk myself i'm gonna go 24 um, I think I, I think the uh, the the Texans um, will. I'll say thirteen as well. Um, I'm not as I, I don't. I'm not seeing. It's three points. I guess we're different. But um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't see them lining it up and and all that other stuff. Um, but yeah, of course. Uh, you reminded me. I got to turn in my uh, staff uh, pick uh, portion for the Jaguar report here. Uh, uh, and not too long, of course. I am Kyle Nash, a student of the game. You can find me on Twitter at the SOTG. Find me on Instagram as the same, the SOTG. Find me on Facebook as the student of the game. Check out my writings with the Jaguar Report of SI, the three-point conversion covering the Jaguars, of course, and also covering the UCF Knights uh, with the black and gold banneret. You know, it, it's unfortunate I was under the weather this week. I would have loved to have written a piece about the Jags facing Shaquille Griffin um, mm. Then I could have, you know, done something for both audiences. But unfortunately, I was sick. Um, those who might have noticed, I was not on the Huddle Up podcast, nor did I do Student of the Game this week. Listen, I'm human. You can hear my voice is just now coming back. So <laughs> I'll be back and running with that. Look out for the Student of the Game next week, 8, uh, 8, 8 40 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday and of course this wonderful show if you're not catching the stream you're catching it on Spotify or whatever podcast you're enjoying uh, with the student of the game Um, you'll check out this show at 11 also streaming through the Huddle Up podcast uh, YouTube channel the Sertoba Media YouTube channel where the struggle is real to be awesome the A7BM Sports Facebook as well as the student of the game Facebook Twitter and Twitch accounts uh, so there's that's all the different ways you can consume this absolute good time. Travis, honor, joy, and privilege, man. I know we did a few extra minutes, but like I said, I didn't have a whole lot of content this week. So I thought five more minutes for the people was a worthwhile endeavor. What can I for say? The, for the people. For the people. Because without them, 
it's just a lot less fun. It's just the two. I mean, it's just the two of us chatting at that point. I mean, by that point, might as well make it a play date. I'm just saying, hey, man, anyway. I'm, here, I'm here for it. It's still entertaining. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man. And honor, joy, and privilege, folks. Last game before the Jags head across the pond so you can have breakfast with your NFL offering in the next yes. two weeks. <laughs> T.A. Um, Let's go. Let's do it. Hey, listen, English style breakfast is amazing. I still don't understand how you do baked beans for breakfast, but it works. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> with I'm going to take your word for that, brother. <laughs> hey, Harp and Kelt, we got to do that sometime. Of course, okay. they show a lot more football than they do football, but uh, we'll handle that off air, brother. Um, so, yeah, with that in mind, for Travis Holmes of Big Cat Country, I am Kyle Nash, a student of the game. And until next time, my friends, class dismissed.